So uh, maybe we will move on to um, probably the the feature segment of this podcast. We're going to talk about um, projecting the opening night roster for the Maple Leafs for the 2020-21 season. So this is uh, this is going to get some, some pretty outlandish takes, I think, um, considering the current season, 2019-20, hasn't been resolved. We don't know what's going on with it. We don't know what the cap's going to be. But for the purposes of this exercise, we've assumed a flat cap. We have assumed it's like $81.5 million, I think. Um, but, yeah, I uh, think this this is going to get uh, pretty heated, I'm going to imagine. Um, maybe – I guess maybe I'll just lead off with my team if you guys are okay with that. <laughs> um and you guys can uh, rip into me for my decisions. So first things first, I made two teams, but uh, one of them was playing it pretty conservative and the other one was going for broke and just being a little, maybe even stupid. Um, so I'll go with the stupid one. One is um, the nonus option and the other is the dubis option, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess the, the nonus option is the one that I'm going to be reading to you guys. Um, so in this uh, rendition of the Leafs, um, I made a tough decision as the armchair GM. I decided to trade the combination package of Travis Dermott, Frederick Gauthier, Jeremy Bracco, and one Mitchell Marner to the Nashville Predators for Victor Arvidsson, Ryan Ellis, Ely Tolvanen, and Callie Yarncrock. So four for four. four Can you names. read that off one more time for me? Yeah. I need to hear that again. Okay, so Dermot, Gauthier. I'm ready to jump at you. <laughs> <laughs> Dermot, Gauthier, Bracco, and Marner um, making a combined salary of approximately like $13 million or so, something like that. Um, this is also presumptive because Der- Dermot and Gauthier are RFAs. Um, for Yarncrock, Arvidsson, Ellis, and Tolvanen. You think Nashville does that? So the reason that I think they do this, um, this was a tough. Well, this is the tough part it, of the it's assignment. Like it's, it's not like that imbalance. I'm just like yeah. I'm kind of working through it in my head because Mariner is such a piece. But yeah. after that, so yeah. so I was trying to look for trades that would be like somewhat possible based on other teams' needs, other teams' mindsets, perhaps. Nashville is a team that needs a dynamic score. Um, they need a Mitch Marner type, really. They need like just a dynamic forward, but they can't really off. They 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 can't offload a center right now because no one, the center they really want to offload is Kyle Turris, but no one's going to take that contract unless it's like a really just like ridiculous trade um, where it's like like a Patrick Marlowe for a first rounder type trade or something like that. But even, it would even have to be more than that because he's got like four years or five years left on his deal. Um, yeah, Ryan Johansson and Matt Duchesne, I looked at as pieces for a different type of trade to Toronto, just along with Ellis, but I decided it, they weren't worthy enough of being, their contracts were too bad, I wouldn't want to take them back. Um, so I ended up with, uh, Arvidsson is on a great deal. He's making $4.25 million per year, I think, for the next like four or five seasons. And he's a good two-way player who can put up 60 points in a year, can score 30 goals. Um, he's 27, so he's like maybe a year or two past his prime, but not far. Um, and he, he came into the league a bit later, so he might even be at his prime. 
Um, that being said, he's been playing hockey wherever he's been, so he's probably a little past his prime. Um, Ryan Ellis, he's a bit older. He's 29 right now, but he has kind of gotten better in the last couple of years because as he's had more of an opportunity in Nashville and shown that he can be a top-pairing defenseman, no problem. He's making $6.25 million, I want to say, something like that. Um, he's a right D, a true right D, which the Leafs need. Um, yeah, so those two guys are foundational pieces for that. Cali Yarncroft can play in the middle six pretty dependably. He's a pretty pretty solid forward, and he only makes two million for the next couple of years. And Eli Tolvanen is one of the top prospects in the league. He's slowed a little in his development, but he's still one of the top prospects, well, just outside of the league, I guess. And then we know who Dermot, Marner, Gochi, and Bracco are, so I don't really need to go into that. Um, and one additional move I made, this was just, I don't even know if I make this move based on the trade that I just told you. It's not necessary, but I thought it was interesting to think about just for opening up about a million or a million, like 1.2 million of cap room was uh, trading Kasperi Kapanen to the Edmonton Oilers for Ethan Bear. I don't know for sure that Edmonton would do that, but they still need wingers. Like, let's be honest. He's a guy. I know Kapanen, they're really high on Ethan Bear, and yeah. I hate to see Kapanen go, but that, that does seem like a, a, a reasonable fit. Mm-hmm. I think the two profile uh, well for each other's teams. Like, Ethan Bear's a right handed defenseman. And I know now we've got two right handed defensemen, but, or defensemen, but uh, prior to this trade, Justin Hall was the only true right D that the Leafs had, or prior to these trades. Um, so I've got, well, I guess I'll read it out to you then. I've got Riley and Ellis as the top pair on D, Muzzin and Hall as the second pair, and then Lettinen and Bear. So I'm actually leaving Sandin off the opening right roster, which is uh, a tough call, but he can develop some more, or he can come in if there's an injury, no problem. Um, then for my forward lines, I have uh, Hyman, Matthews, Nylander, Arvidsson, Tavares, Janssen, Yarncroc, Kerfoot, Mikheyev, and then Nick Robertson makes the team on the fourth line with Jason Spezza resigning and Pierre Engvall. So, okay, you guys can uh, have have at it now. Maybe I'll uh, I'll let Devin draw first blood if he wants. Um. <clears throat> that is a lot of information to take in, to be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not sure if um, Nashville makes that trade, uh, personally. I think Mitch Marner is a very dynamic forward, but he's not someone who's going to put the puck in the net for you. Um, he can certainly try and set up you know, players like he does. I think Toronto is better suited to have those players to put the puck in the net that Marner can you know, dish it to. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I think it's a, I think it's a creative trade and I, I'm just going to give you props for the creativity there and thinking sort of outside of the box. Um, because you do address a few key issues there. And I actually think I might like the Casper Kapanen for Ethan bear trade a little bit more. Um, what is Ethan Bear's ceiling. I don't mean to like pull right off topic here, but I mean I'm just no, thinking of. It's a fair question. Um, I don't think he would project to be like 
a top defenseman in the league or anything, but this past season he kind of started to show his potential in the way that the Oilers were hoping he would all along. And he put up like 21 points in 70 games or so. Yeah, I could see him being maybe like a ceiling of a 40 point defenseman is what I would guess. Yeah. Um, That's pretty good. I mean, two way defenseman, you think like second pairing three, four. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think like, on this Leafs team, he would have the opportunity, or even in the next couple of years, he'd have the opportunity to be putting up 40 points. Right. Um, but I mean, well, as soon as uh, that being said, Muzzin's going to get older, he's going to be relied upon less, mm-hmm. um, and or relied upon just more in a shutdown defensive role mostly. Um, Spencer, so Bear me, might have more opportunity to play offensively. Give me another uh, minute here with Robin Spencer. <laughs> yeah. What, what's your. Uh... Thank you, John. Awesome. What's what was your second line again? Arvidsson, Tavares, Janssen, Andreas Janssen. So Janssen on the right wing. Or... Yeah, he can play both wing positions. At least, yeah. Who fantasy tells me that? Mm. Um, <laughs> Arvidsson can as well. So I guess you could swap those guys if you prefer to have Janssen on the left wing for Arvidsson on the right wing. I don't think it's right. really an and, issue. Uh, you put um, you put Robertson on the fourth line with Spezza and. Engvall. Engvall. Did you have Barabanov on there, the third line, I guess? Or? No, I didn't have Barabanov making the, the roster. I I was between him and Robertson, and I don't know. Um, it's a toss-up, really. I don't know enough about Barabanov to decide whether he makes the roster or not. I just know there's a lot of excitement around Nick Robertson. Right. Um, but, yeah, you could, throw, you could throw Barabanov on that spot just as easily. Um, yeah, no. I mean, it's uh it's an interesting lineup for sure. Obviously mine's different, but I I like it. Like it's creative. It's it's new. I personally would have probably if I'm going to put Robertson on the opening lineup, I'm probably going to put him with the really skilled players. So I'd probably move him up actually, but yeah, no, it's cool. I like it. Yeah, and one thing I just well maybe actually no, Spencer, you dig in first before I defend myself. I don't have a whole lot more to say. Um I, I kind of like the trade, which makes me think that Nashville might not do it. Like, I think, uh, I think we might have a hard time Brian Tolvanen as a part yeah. of that deal. But yeah, at the same time, that was... yeah, so like it's, you know, you're going to ask, a team's going to have to give up a lot to get them. And mm-hmm. I, it's a really interesting conversation to have. I feel like we could sit here and talk for an hour about that trade on its own. <laughs> and uh, I am in no way in favor of giving up Kevin. I think that his skill set is incredible. I know he's really raw in a lot of areas, but that speed, like he's next to Connor McDavid, I consider him the fastest guy in the league. And I don't want to give that up with his elite penalty killing ability. And it, you know, he can score, he can create breakaways and create chances. Yeah. But Ethan Bear is somebody that I would consider giving him up for. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So the, um, the, sorry, the Kapanen Bear trade, I almost didn't include on this roster. That was part of my Kyle Dubas uh, roster more so. I, yeah. I had that trade. And then just a flat out Dermot for Jake for Tannen trade as well. And that was like me playing it conservative. Um, so it was kind of like Vertanen replaces Kapanen in a, in a sense. And then Ethan Bear replaces Dermot. Um, but that, that was my conservative roster anyway. We don't need to talk about that. Um, <laughs> so the, the Kapanen one, I think it addresses both teams' needs. Um, Edmonton surprisingly has a decent glut of young defensemen at this point um they're not as bad on defense as they used to be 
they've got well they, they've got guys who are not young anymore who are solid in like Clefbaum and Nurse who uh, I think are foundational defensive pieces for them but then they've got yeah like Caleb Jones is another young defenseman they're pretty high on who's coming up the ranks um I feel like they may have had or Matt Benning's maybe a bit older now but they've they've got who's the guy they drafted Bouchard I think Evan is, Bouchard right yeah, yeah they have Evan Bouchard yeah. Um, they had Joel Pearson, who was supposed to be decent, but didn't really pan out this year as they were hoping. Um, but they do have a lot of good options on defense for a similar role that Bear plays. So I feel like he's not, like he's better right now than, and he's more of a sure thing at this point than Caleb Jones or Evan Bouchard, I guess. But Evan Bouchard, I think, still projects to be a better player than Ethan Bear in the long run. And I think um, I'm probably a little biased towards Kapanen. I consider him like a a decent piece, like uh, considering his speed, considering his 20 goal potential. I think Edmonton asks for more, but that's just kind of like, I know they're pretty high on Ethan Bear. I think that that might be something where the Leafs throw yeah. a, a pick or something to sweeten it, nothing dramatic. But If it's Chiarelli, I, they definitely ask for more because yeah. he's the guy who <laughs> traded Taylor Hall for Adam Larson. Yeah. But uh, I, I feel I mean, like... I don't know. I think it's a pretty fair trade given both teams' needs. Um, but maybe they do want slightly more than just Kapanen. Maybe um, I'm a little bit um little biased. And like I said, I like the trade because I, I, I like the idea that we're, you know, taking from a position of strength and we're going for a position of need. That being said, like I kinda I kinda disagree with both of you. I think that like I agree with you, Spencer, in the sense that Kapanen is super. He, he he's he's still. I feel like he still has a lot to to show. Like he's got a lot of potential. He's got a lot of tools. Therefore, I don't think I would be as willing to pull the trigger of Kapanen for a bear. To be honest with you, now this is this. I'm reaching here, but if I'm gonna trade a guy like Kapanen. Like my first choice would probably be Janssen to go is over Kapanen. And I like yeah. Janssen a lot, but I, if I, I'm going to trade him, like, I agree with you, Devin. I think Janssen is the guy who most Leafs fans would rather lose if you're to choose between Kapanen and Janssen right now. But I think because of that, his trade market or his trade value is deflated a little, especially due to the injury to finish off the year. Yeah. But what I'm saying is like, I'm not, I'm not suggesting Janssen for bear. That's not going to go through. Yeah. I'm not suggesting Janssen for anything really because of that exact reason. But what I am suggesting is that if I'm trading a guy like Kapanen, to be honest with you, the type of player that I want back is more of a Brett Pesci and that's a stretch and that's a reach. And I don't see any reason why Carolina does that despite the fact that they have a glut of defensemen. Yeah. Like, I feel like Pesci is the guy that they're just like, this guy has got a stake because he's a rock. But I would try my best to formulate some kind of package around that. Mm -hmm. Like a guy like a Pesci. Or maybe it's more fair for a guy like a Manson. But then again, you have to be addressing what the Ducks kind of need. And we don't. I don't really know which way the Ducks want to go with this. Ducks plan. need everything. Yeah. That's exactly. Like, I mean, I don't want to just, you know, get into what – should yeah. the ducks do at this point because i don't know whether they're going to build or they're going to you know stay the, the course but i don't know i feel like a captain for someone a little more established than a bear because captain is a little bit more established and he's just about to take some steps i think if he was given a bit more of a role i think yeah. a thing we're kind of ignoring with captain too is 
I have it in my head he's older than he is because he was part of that Kessel deal. But he was traded, you know, fresh out of being drafted. He's still a really young piece who hasn't entered his prime yet. And we can't look at him and say we know exactly what he's going to be. So a uh, good point. Um, I would argue that a little because he's he's 23 or 24. He's one of those two. So he's still fairly young. But uh, most statistical models and advanced stats communities have shown that players reach their peak or prime around 23 or 24 at this point, um, which is a little surprising to hear. But that's what I've read from a lot of uh, – just articles that I've been reading lately. And the way I kind of see it is there, there are exceptions, which, you know, you don't want to bank on exceptions every time you're dealing with a player. But when you look at Kapanen's skill set and what he yeah, can already look- do without figuring it out, it's just kind of like if he can add that little bit of patience with his puck handling. Yeah, he could be an outlier uh, also considering yeah. his role on the team has been pretty uh, deflated to this point. He hasn't been given the full like uh, runway to just show what he can do because there are other players like Marner and Nylander ahead of him on the depth chart, Hyman on the, who's slotted in the top six as well. So I, I hear you guys for sure. And um, yeah, it was a tough, a tough choice on this uh, hypothetical trade. Um, another reason, I guess, I'm surprised no one's really attacked me for the Marner part of the, the deal so far. Well, I was going to say too, <laughs> I wouldn't trade both Marner and Kapanen. I would want to have one of those guys still. yeah that's fair because yeah. you're losing two of your top two right, right. Like you're incredibly deep on right wing but when you trade marner and Kapanen, you're no longer and you still and have I mean, a weak left side so. and i mean you're getting back arvidson but the thing is too oh, you look at, yeah sorry yeah but the thing is too you he's look gonna at, be hurt for 40 games of the season so <laughs> <laughs> you look at the the forward lineup that i that i have um it's still still feels like there are players that could make this team and provide a decent amount that aren't making it like Barabanov or Barabanov, however you say his name. Um, but yeah, it's, it's starting to lose some of the like high end talent and getting more into the like middle six, bottom six talent of players that are not making the cut on my roster. So that could be a problem, but I did just see this as a, it, it might've been an overreaction to the Leafs having a weaker defense than their forwards. Um, the, the moves well, that I've made. Bonus GM too, so I mean, that's fine. Yeah, I don't Great know if this Bernie. is actually what yeah. I wanted. That's actually pretty conservative for the Nonis. <laughs> and one one other thing I wanted to say is uh, just with Marner, I love the guy. He's a great player. I want to have him on this team, but I don't like the contract that Dubas signed him to. I think it was an overpay. That being said, like he it could it could work out fine, or it could have worked out fine if coronavirus hadn't happened and the cap had gone up and stuff. But That's now, the way I see it. Yeah. But now they they have too many guys making too much money when we're gonna have a flat cap for at least next year, possibly two or three more years afterwards. And I know that trading for Ellis and uh Arvidsson doesn't necessarily solve that problem because it keeps the, the cap relatively similar. But it and they are signed to long long term deals, but it at least disperses the 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 money in different spots and they can make more like one for one deals moving forward that make that are that are just minor tweaks rather than how I don't know. I just felt like there was some imbalance on the roster, but maybe I went overboard. Um but also like Mitch Marner, if you're gonna trade him, now's the time because he's got so much potential. Teams still view him as like an incredible piece to add, like a top five forward in this league potentially if he lives up to to his promise um 
So teams are going to be willing to pay his almost 11 million a year right now, which is pretty ridiculous considering Braden Point only got like, what, like 6 million so a year on a bridge deal. And uh, he realistically, I'm still mad Marner didn't get Miko Grantman's contract. That's what he should have gotten. But uh, yeah, so it's a chance for Dubas to rectify that situation. But, uh, or Dave Nonis in, in his boots. But uh, <laughs> yeah, anyway, I think I've spent enough time on my roster. Let's move on to one of your guys' rosters. Um, maybe we'll go with Devin. Sure. That... Yeah. Um, yeah, I honestly, I just don't, I don't, I don't think you trade Mitch Marner. And I thought about that contract too, and I'm frustrated about it as well, but I think you just work with it. Um, I think Mitch Marner works well for the Leafs and just his backstory and he's a Leafs fan. And he's also like, he's a glue there on the first line. Matthews loves playing with him. Clearly if you trade Marner, I could see Matthews just taking off for sure to Arizona or, or, you know, maybe, I don't know for sure, but. Oh, um, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, Devin. I just remembered this will take just a second, but I wore my Jersey, especially for this podcast that was supposed to be Mitch Marner, but they forgot to put Mitch Marner's name on it. <laughs> So uh, <laughs> I remember I felt that like hanging that was, in my, on my wall when I stayed at your place. Yeah. yeah I felt like that was an appropriate uh, Jersey to wear if I'm going to be selling off Mitch Marner on my team. So uh, sorry, <laughs> go ahead. Devin. Oh, no worries, man. Um, I'll just, yeah, I'll rhyme off my lines then. So mine's very, very, very conservative. Uh, I do have a couple of different options that I'll throw out there to you guys. Um, <clears throat> I didn't really get into the details of the trade, but that's okay. We can certainly talk about that and I could come up with some projections real quick. But first line is Zach Hyman, Austin Matthews, and Mitch Marner. Uh, the second line for the opening roster, I decided to put Nicholas Robertson up on the left wing with John Tavares and William Nylander. Now, this is for the opening roster. Um, if he gets his nine games, great. The guy that I would like to have initially put there would be Eli Mikheyev, just throwing back up where he was playing extraordinarily well. Uh, my justification for having Robertson on this team and on the second line is maybe a Debrinkat 2.0. Um, this guy can score and how deadly would it be to have another person who can just score at will and score in a lot of dynamic ways? I've seen the way he shoots the puck and where he puts it. He reminds me a lot of Austin Matthews with his uh, placement of the puck. It's quite incredible. And I'm all for having a guy up there with a lot of skill playing with a, two now veterans and then some power play time. Anyways, third line, Ely Mikheyev, Kerfoot, and Kasperi Kapanen. Nothing crazy there. Um, I'm not sure what all the hate is about Kerfoot. I think it's his cap hit rather than his play, but I think we need that center position there. Um, if someone wants to go and you know make a trade to save 500000 or a million dollars, fine, but I don't see the point in doing that. I think Kerfoot's a good team player. I like his play. I think that line is fast and they're dynamic. And I hope Mikheyev comes back strong. The fourth line now, this is where things, you know, can go a lot of different ways. Because I do, I have included Kyle Clifford on our team. But for the, uh, and for the opening roster, I would probably put Kyle Clifford, Jason Spezza, and uh, I guess Barabanov, just to give him a shot there. Uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me if Engvall filled in one of those positions because Engvall's on the team. 
I thought about trading Anvil, but he's still very raw and he's a very good penalty killer. I think Spencer and I are probably in agreement that we like our penalty kill uh, filled out quite nicely just based on what he was saying. So you got guys like Anvil, Kapanen, Robertson can kill penalties. We saw what Mikheyev could do killing penalties too, and I love it. Um, so basically my approach for the forwards was uh, let's carry on. Our team was pretty good uh last year we had a lot of injuries tons of injuries and i think there's so much more that these guys can give so there's just uh you know i find a lot of depth on the left wing this year and zach hyman to me has proven that he's a go-to guy um and yeah with mikhaev enval and clifford there that shores things up i think quite well um, and then you have the option of using that new weapon of yours and that new toy of Nicholas Robertson. And I think it's just great. Um, I'm hopeful that, you know, injuries do not happen, but we have a lot of depth now. We got Goche, we got Brooks signed again, you know, just players that can come in if they need to fill these roles. Anyways, for my defense, pretty conservative as well. Um, so there's a couple of options here. Uh, I'm going to say both of them pretty quickly, and I guess you guys could tell me which ones you think are more realistic or better. But first pairing on the very conservative um, is Morgan Riley and uh, Dylan DeMello. Then Jake Muzzin, Justin Hall, Erasmus uh, Sandin, with you know, swapping in with Lettinen, and um, Trevor Van Riemsdyk. Oh. TVR. So I just went with uh, two UFA signings uh, for the very conservative one. Don't know what I want to do with Andreas Johnson. He's still there. We can trade him. Future considerations. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we get something from him. But yeah, the maybe. other option is uh, Morgan Riley, um, Manson, Muzzin, Hall, uh, and then, you know, Take your pick of Sandine or Dermot and um, Dylan DeMello. I still kept him around. That's more of my, that's my more bolder one going to make a deal for Manson. So. Okay. And your goalies, I'm assuming, are still Anderson and Campbell? Yeah. 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 But both, <laughs> both scenarios would involve potentially something with Janssen and Dermot. So I don't have the specifics though. Sorry, guys. No, it's all right. So uh, I guess. Would it make sense to, to assume then in the Manson scenario, you've traded Dermot and Janssen for Manson? Or was um, I don't think that would Sorry. be enough. And I don't think that would, I don't think that would be what the ducks really want. I just don't know what the ducks want guys. I keep hearing like, you know, they've, they've got Gibson, they've got some a few younger pieces and they just need to kind of get a couple of, key you know guys in there and they can make a push or something like that but do you think they're going to go for a rebuild what would it take to pry manson off? i i feel like the ducks will want a first round pick for him just because they're in that yeah. kind of rebuild area and i yeah. I, I don't know like as a burned leaf fan like i i hate to see them give up another first round pick but um at the or same like, time like you know whenever you're in that competitive window you need any players you need to get somebody somehow and manson's a good player or maybe they would take, uh, sorry, maybe they would take Dermot in a pick or something, although that wouldn't really balance the books that well. I feel like the, with the Leafs, okay, the problem is you need then? the salary to be balanced. Take on Kessler's long-term IR. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I think, you know, I, I think they'd be really smart to ask for a first round pick. What about the idea of um, if you don't want to give up a first round pick, would you be open to giving up a Lilligren? So, you know, that, that's interesting. Yeah. So Lilligren for Manson, like straight up. Honestly, like I think Lilligren has a bit of that value now. He's kind of shown that he's been doing quite a bit in the AHL and he's been maturing and getting a bit better. I don't know how that translates exactly into the NHL and what his ceiling would be. It's probably a three I think, four guy. But um I think that makes I mean, a lot of sense. Plus, Lawrence Gilman's been talking about maybe, so maybe they're trying to move him. <laughs> What's that? Uh Lawrence Gilman, the uh Marley's GM has been talking him up a bit lately, so Maybe they're trying to beef, beef up his value. Yeah. Honestly, Maybe, I think it makes I, sense. But I mean, he's a great, he's a great little prospect too. Yeah. He would be. He's a good addition, and you could throw in, you know, a guy like Janssen as well if you needed to kind of get that cap sorted out as well. And maybe there'd be something coming back, you know, or maybe you can make some kind of package around Holloway, you know, a Janssen, you know, uh, Igor Korshkev, and like a pick or something. Just. Fl- flood the ducks with if they're going for that rebuild give them some young pieces maybe they do or are interested in the Dermot who's a lot younger either way I think that's doable I think that a Manson and trying to offer one of Dylan DeMello and Van Riemsdyk preferably DeMello it's a conservative approach but there's lots of UFA right-handed shots out there this year so the narrative that the Leafs are in trouble and that cap is going to get them I don't buy it one bit and I think that there's lots of ways that they're able to shore up their defense, make it more respectable on the right side with the options that are out there and the, you know, pieces and prospects and picks that they have. All right. Uh, Spencer, do you want to jump in on uh, critiquing Devin's roster in any way, shape or form? Well, I don't have a ton to say because you're going to hear shortly that our rosters are quite similar. Okay. Although I was even more conservative to a degree. So um, you guys are leaving me alone. I, I to agree. Just be the, the yeah. Crazy, like, the I had some ideas <laughs> of some like, other stuff I do, but um, I I'm trying to think. Of, like Demello, I like the idea of Demello. Like everything I've heard about him, I didn't watch a whole lot of him playing in Ottawa, but um, he he seems like one of those advanced darlings, the the kind of guy who does everything right, but he doesn't like necessarily stand out. He's not a top pair guy, but he's a and you know a, a top six defenseman on any roster in the NHL, from what I can gather. So, um, I, I just see with what's happened with the the pandemic and how things have changed in the Leafs cap situation, like limited changes happening. So those sound realistic in my eyes. And um, like I said, you'll hear from me shortly, and I have a pretty similar view on where next season's going to go. So I didn't ha- I didn't channel my inner knowness here. So okay. So yeah, there's a. Uh... Not, none of us have really got the Kyle Dubas wizard brain where we can acquire a guy like Tyson Berry for half of his salary and do weird stuff, like project weird half salary acquisition type things. So, uh, yeah, we're not going to worry about that to that extent. But um, I do think that the decisions you've made, Devin, make sense. I do like DeMello, uh, especially as a potential, like, one or two year contracts for like no more than like 1.5 million a year. I think he fills mm-hmm. the role of a right defenseman pretty well. He could be the Mark Mathot to Morgan Riley's Eric Carlson. If uh, 
if we're letting Muzzin take on more of the responsibility, defensive responsibilities and there's no Tyson Berry, maybe Morgan Riley can return to being a seven, 70 point defenseman. Um, but Mark Bethought was getting paid like 4 million. So it's nice to have a guy like Dylan DeMello potentially projecting <laughs> his salary at 1.5 million as I just did <laughs> as being there for cheaper. Um, the Josh Manson thing has been talked about for years. Everyone seems to want to find a way to get Josh Manson here. I mean, they least found a way to get Dave Manson here. They obviously have a thing for the Mansons, so we'll find a way to get Josh Manson. Um, yeah, I, I honestly feel like there's even potential of like not having to beef things up much more than just like uh, Dermot in a third rounder for Manson or something like that, because the Ducks shouldn't really want Manson on the team. They he's keeping them to too respectable right now they need younger guys that are that can grow into a, a a better player down the line manson's like 29 or something already i could also conceive a situation where they they sweeten the pot and anaheim retains a bit because his contract isn't outlandish but it's yeah still four plus million so that's true with the yeah. loose being so tight to the cap like you know throw them an extra pick throw them an extra prospect or yeah, something and so this is what i'm talking about point. some kyle dubas brain shit so here we go we're gonna, yeah we're gonna have we've anaheim, been watching them long enough now anaheim's gonna retain half of his salary his four million salary so it'll be two million um then the leafs will trade off dermot who i've rejected to sign as an rfa for like 1.2 million a year so there's like only a 0.8 million discrepancy and then the third round <laughs> pick i mentioned becomes a second round pick now yeah. So yeah, it works. I, the one thing I want to emphasize here is because like I've listened to a lot of podcasts as Leafs fans, and the one thing I just want to say to all Leafs fans out there is that they're gonna be okay. Like what I think what we're talking about here is is realistic, and isn't crazy, and there's lots of options out there. I know the cap's not gonna go up, but we have a lot of depth. The team has been built well. Um, you know, just stop listening to all that noise out there. Lou Lamorello's how, mistakes have been mostly destroyed by Kyle Dubas at this point. So yeah, I don't have to worry about Nikita Zaitsev or Patrick Marlowe anymore. Have you seen the Islanders yeah. cap situation up front? Oh my God. Like they, I, I, it's like less, it's like 4 million less than the Leafs right now. And I the Leafs at, have Matthews and Barner. I yeah. looked at trading for like <laughs> Ryan Pulak and some other stuff off the Islanders, like Bovillia and Pulak for like Mitch Marner or something like that. And I was just like, you know what? Those are the only two guys that are, that could be considered like, just a, a bright spot on the Islanders. I don't think they're trading them because they fucked themselves Devin so Taves hard with so right. many contracts. Yeah, like, yeah, few guys, but yeah, like I don't envy their situation. I certainly no. I'm glad so glad we don't have Lou anymore. Elsewhere. Yeah, let's uh, let's hear your team, Spencer. Okay, so uh, you're not going to be. Uh, I don't think you're going to object with too much of what I did because I I thought really conservatively about this and especially giving the current climate and the situation in the league, I made very few moves. I thought my radical idea was to put Robertson on the second line. So uh, yeah, exactly. But uh, so right across the top, we have the same uh, top three lines. I have uh, Hyman, Matthew Marner, Robertson, Tavares, and Nylander. And I have the same idea with uh, Robertson, just uh, kind of like working Marner into the league, shelter him with skilled players. Put him in a situation where he can do what he does best, score. Mm-hmm. Um, McKay of Kerfoot and Kapanen. And my one idea, which I'll talk about in a second, is to flirt around with the idea of doing something with Kerfoot. Um, I 
traded Janssen for picks and, or a prospect. Like it was just kind of, we need the salary relief, send them somewhere where they don't have winger depth. Um, see if we can get a, a second for them or a, a prospect with, you know, like a high ceiling, maybe uh low floor. And then on the fourth line, I kind of have like a rotation of Engvall, Spezza and Barabanov with Pat Maroon as the extra. So like, I kind of feel like Pat Maroon would be the more regular fit. I like Kyle Clifford, um, but I could see Maroon being a dubious fit where he's somebody who's played with skill in the past. He's produced with skill in the past. He's been playing on bargain deals for years. He just seems like he's going to be, you know, coming at his UFA, getting about a million, maybe a little more than a million. And the least kind of have that cap flexibility here to work that out. So I could see something there. You got something to say, Devin? Yeah. Just before you get into the defense, like, I, yeah. So basically we have like the same lineup aside. Almost from identical. Yeah. And Maroon. Now here's, here's the question for you then is I like the idea of a, a Pat Maroon who might have a little bit more skill. My question is to what degree is it Dubas, you know, pushing out that vision or to what degree is it also Dubas saying, like Clifford is the right character for this room and he's got that relationship and with Jake Muzzin. If he sees it that way, then that's the, the signing he should make. The way I see Maroon is like he's kind of got that he doesn't have equivalent jam to Clifford. Like Clifford is one tough son of a bitch. But uh Maroon can scrap, Maroon can tangle, but he's also like I said, he's flirted yeah. with scoring thirty goals in the past. He's still relatively young. Like he's maybe 30, maybe a little younger. Like he's kind of surprising because he looks like such an old man. But um, <laughs> if if Clifford was the guy that we put in there instead, I, I like Kyle Clifford. I loved watching him fight with Jamie Oleksiak and stepping in and throwing haymakers and just kind of like that old school. I love instead I of having a fourth him. line of Colt Nor and Fraser McLaren and whoever else they throw out there, Jay Rosehill. Like I this guy him. can actually play hockey. <laughs> Sorry, I just want to interject. I loved watching him uh, take out Peter Morazic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like what happened after that, but. No. Um, <laughs> I must say, though. No, like, that was I'm a dark day in Leafs history for sure. But the moment leading up to that with uh, Kyle Clifford just going right for the puck, but somehow taking out Peter Morazic as well was pretty awesome. So that uh, happened <laughs> at my birthday party. We were having drinks at a bar 1911 and uh, I was away from the TV for like 15 minutes and missed everything. So like I called down to the table, like what's going on? And they're like, I can't even begin to tell you, (laughs) uh, you know, there's a, there's a Zamboni driver playing in that right now. So, um, but, uh, yeah, so our, our, uh, top, uh, our, our forward lineup doesn't really differ a whole lot. I would, you know, like just, I I'm kind of channeling that idea of what Dubas is where, you know, he might lean towards a guy who can produce. The, the thing I like about Maroon is that he's somebody that you can put in Nick Robertson's spot down the road. Maybe not long term, but like you can put him on the second line and expect him to hold his own for a little while, where Kyle Clifford is not somebody you can do that with. But Clifford, you can move up to the third line and bounce around a bit. It's just, I, I like Kyle Clifford a lot. I don't think that he was able to really keep up with the group last year. And I never really saw a fit, but also he's coming in at the trade deadline. So he... I also do appreciate the idea of throwing him out there for a full season and letting him get his feet as a buddy to Jake Muzzin and the guys seem to love him. So um, if he's willing to come at the same cap hit that, you know, most UFAs are going to have to come for, cause it's going to be a, a pretty dire summer for them. Uh, I, I think Maroon's a good fit. The other extra forward I have is Gauthier. Like 
I just don't see him leaving. He's probably going to resign for, I think he is ARB eligible, which like, is he going to get more than 700,000? I can't imagine. So no. he's just, he's a decent guy to have there for depth. I, yeah. I like him. I don't love him. I, like I think him. I, I think I had him penciled and it was like 800,000. Yeah. I was looking at the athletic and they had him at 700,000 for next year. Okay. So somewhere in that ballpark, he's, he fits within my salary cap anyway. Um, you want me to jump into the D? Um, I just want to say one thing yeah. about you got so so I was going to let it slide with Granger's roster of Nick Robertson second line left wing, but now yeah, that it's a okay. thing, now it's occurred twice. I feel like I should say something since I had him on fourth line. Um, maybe it's more of an old school hockey mentality, but I I do think that like the way that you guys are talking about him and bringing him in and sheltering him is something that a team that's rebuilding can afford, but a team that is has cup aspirations not necessarily um i just don't know if there's space to have him in the top six right now and that's even considering my roster has traded away a lot of the top six well the amount of times (laughs) they've like answered a penalty kill with Tavares, marner and matthews like the the willingness that they have with their guys down the middle kerfoot can play the wing like there's guys that they can move around that i think it's not that unreasonable left wing isn't a position of like extreme depth so it's just kind of like i yeah, see what does that say, carrying what, the load but what does that say to guys like uh well i don't know if it matters what it says never mind i don't want to get that old school but uh yeah <laughs> i think um i think that there's been justification for a similar situation of bringing up a guy on the fourth line who's got extreme talent in the past and it's turned out all right for their careers maybe not for the team so much but a guy like Steven Stamkos, for instance, he uh, was brought along slowly in his age 18 season, but uh, they didn't have him playing top six minutes in his first year. Um, Tyler Sagan, we all know the story of that. That didn't turn out well for uh, his career with the Bruins, but he responded well to it and put up a hell of a playoffs, as far as I remember. From the, the minutes that he had, he played pretty well, I think. Um, I could be misremembering, but he won. they won the cup anyway. So he like, set up that uh, game seven first round goal. Yeah, so you I can't <laughs> you can't argue with the the results at least. Like as much as Chiarelli sucks and as conservative as that, as that approach was to put Tyler Sagan in the bottom six, and he's also a, for, a second overall pick. He's not Nick Robertson who's second round pick, but we all know that that was a steal anyway. But yeah. uh, I don't know. I think that it wouldn't hurt Nick Robertson to start out in the bottom six just to like acclimatized to the league at least a little bit at first um i don't deny that he's got the talent to warrant being in the top six perhaps even like later in the season but i feel like putting him top six opening night is just sending too much of a message to like a guy like nick robertson that like uh i don't know it's going to be too easy of a ride for you i think that's a dubious lineup composition thing though where like a top six forward, a guy who's slotted in in that second line space is not necessarily a top six forward. And like, I think you're on the right track where he's going to get bottom six minutes, but he's going to play yeah. with skilled players. Yeah. Cause they're not going to be expected the to go out there player. and shut down or kill. Like he, he might be killing penalties. I can't imagine next year at the NHL level he is, but. Um, especially if you guys both have Mitch Marner on the team hmm. who we've seen can, is actually pretty effective killing penalties. Um, it's going to be hard to find space for Nick Robertson in there, but I guess they could put him as the second penalty kill in a Mitch Marner type role as a fast offensively um, inclined penalty killer. But anyway, um, 
yeah, that's just what I wanted to say. Devin, did you have anything to say about the forward ranks? Well, I just think you're completely wrong, Robin. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, this is good. I haven't gotten antagonistic enough. Like, no, give it to him. No, uh, yeah. this, the, this, makes, this makes for more entertaining listening. So tell well, me why I'm wrong, Devin. I love it. Yeah. Well, no, I think um, it's hard for me to just completely remove, you know, my bias leaves glasses and Robertson and all. But I just think um, I think he's got a very unique skill set that just serves well in the top six. And if I'm not going to play him in the top six on the Toronto Maple Leafs, then I'm going to play him in the top six and, you know, the Marlies or wherever he can get. I don't know if he can, can he even go down to the Marlies. I'm yeah, not sure. I'm not sure he can go to the Marlies. And that's my concern with him is that like, he's got to play offensive minutes and I'm pretty sure he has to go back to junior. And I also don't know if there's going to be a CHL next year. Like, are they going to be? Yeah, no, that's, no. that's fair. <laughs> so it's just like there's question marks. There. At best, what I would do is just like, you know, shelter his minutes, but playing with the skill guys, sort of like what uh, Spencer was saying, but there, I suppose you could play him in the bottom six because, you know, the way that Dubas, his philosophy on it, it's not really a bottom six. We're trying to roll four lines to a degree. Our top two lines are obviously getting way more minutes, but they're all skilled lines and they can all score. But I, I think Robertson's just going to surprise people. He, everything that I've heard about Robertson is that his work ethic is extremely high. He's a go-getter. He'll go into, he'll go into the corners. He can shoot the puck. He's a pretty good skater. Um, so I just see him I just see him listening and see him paying a very close attention to everything that's going on in the Leafs organization. He'll do his part. But I'd like to see him play with like a Johnny T. Maybe maybe I'm just thinking of Matt Barzell and Johnny T when Barzell broke out, but you know. But did they have Barzell on Johnny T's wing in his like first game as a rookie? Like yeah. I feel like he probably started in the bottom six and then worked his way up. But that's that's Lou thinking. That's <laughs> that was before. I don't even know if that. I don't know. Well, it wouldn't have been yeah. Lou thinking because uh, Lou came yeah. over in the off season yeah. when they tried to sign Johnny T. So yeah, yeah. Well, Gar I don't Snow know. Thinking. Like, Gar Snow <laughs> thinking, which is what. <laughs> I guess this is where the contention is, and uh, I totally see both sides of the story here. I just they got training camp, they got nine games with him, put him out there. I don't think he's gonna be. Like, what's the what's the worst that's going to happen? Are you afraid he's going to get hurt or something? Like, do you think he's going to be a defensive liability? I just no, I, I just really think just it's. I, I I just don't want him to be too cocky about his positioning on the team too early. Like I, uh, and that's very old school of me. It's surprising me to hear those words come out of my mouth, even because I'm I usually think of myself as more of a new school hockey type <laughs> uh, thinker. But uh, and and it could just be like me just cherry picking something for the sake of my argument but I look at like yes Jesse Pulley or Yessi Pulley however you want to say it a guy who is like given well Edmonton is famous for giving top six minutes way too early to, to people who aren't ready and um, well, why don't we call it's working out then? all right for Kaylor Yamamoto this past year but the year before it looked he looked pretty like out of place when they tried to feed him those minutes but it's kind, um, kind of worked out for Martin and for I mean, like Matthews, you can't really. Yeah, but, uh, I, I, uh, I restate the fact that that was a team that needed talented bodies in the top six. They were rebuilding. They were a bottom feeding team at that time. They needed something to get the fans excited. This is a they, team needed, that needs, like, yeah. they needed offense. Right now, we're a cup contender, or we should be. 
and uh, Nick Robertson is going to have a harder path to the top six based on that because there are already established bodies that can like Time out. That, that force <laughs> two thirds. <laughs> Two thirds of the goddamn top six can already produce a point a game. Well, but it's not. It's not that. It's not that clear on the left side, though, Robin. And they need and depth under a million dollars or under a million cap hit. Like they need. Maybe I'm just too. To maybe I'm just not time. a good coach, and I'm too fluid with my wingers, and I'm willing to th- throw them on either wing. And I'm like, no, oh. I think. I think this is good internal debate that we have in our organization right now. And by organization, <laughs> I'm talking about us three. We are the yeah. organization. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're free agents. Kyle Dubas, if you're listening, you can, you can hire us. I'm pretty sure none of us would uh, I got be opposed to, to quitting our teaching jobs to, uh, to join but, the Leafs organization. Nylander, Marner, both saw time on the fourth line at times in their careers. I think, you know, I'd, I, I'm going to assume that Robertson is a good character individual and he's not going to get super cocky because he's getting these minutes, but I, you know what, to his point, he might not even get it. we got a training camp to figure this out. I think Elon McKeeb, if he is healthy and he's feeling good, he's not going to want Robertson to take that spot. He's going to grab it because he is a good hockey player, but he's got to get healthy, obviously. Yeah. And you can even throw, you can throw Nylander on the left wing if you need to as well. Like fired. Like, uh, I've seen Elander play left wing. So, like, if you're worried about shoring up left wing, you could throw him there. And then you can have Kapanen and uh, Marner on the right wing. No? Rather Robertson. <laughs> 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 All right, Spencer, continue with your uh, D. Uh, my D is dull as shit. Um, so, I've got Riley Dermott, Muzzin Hall, Sandin, Lettinen. I don't think a whole lot's happening. I think that this offseason is going to be – I know. I know it's, like, it's not the way you want to go into the season. I think this offseason is going to be too much of a shit show. Um, you may be able to get some bargains on a guy like Shattenkirk or uh, like maybe Sammy Vatnin or something. But these are guys who were, especially Vatnin, like Vatnin was probably looked, looking to get paid I, four or five million. I looked at Vatnin as a potential plug-in situation. Like he, he's the kind of right D that I think the Leafs should be targeting. He's a he seems like a dubious productive guy player. Who's always had good possession numbers, responsible defensively as well as an offensive contributor, um, but has been injured lately. So, like his value has probably plummeted, despite the fact that he actually played really well in the opportunities that he had this last season. Um, yeah. So, I think he would be a guy the who. Probably that I look at this whole. Sorry. No, they could just get him for cheaper than yeah. he's possibly worth. I think it could be like buying low on a guy who's probably worth. If he hadn't gotten injured in the last couple of years, he probably would be getting like a five years at thirty million contract, like Tyler Myers did. But you could potentially get him for more of a like three year, twelve million contract or four year. I see a lot of these seven sixteen or something. Yeah, I see a lot of these free agents taking a one year deal, maybe just because yeah. of the circumstances. Oh, and the circumstances summer. will deflate yeah. the market as well for sure. And that's so. kind of the same thing with Dermot. Like I, I have him in my in my head pegged at like a one and a half million dollar contract for one year. Like yeah. And I really like Dermot. I didn't think he had a great year last year to the point that like, I'm not sold on him, but um, I think that this is kind of the year where he comes in, he has a full training camp, he's healthy. And they say like, that's your fucking spot. Take it. And if it doesn't work out, then you explore the idea of a trade. Once you kind of see how the climate is kind of adjusting 
like maybe one of these guys opens up in free agency and it's a, it's a possibility to sign somebody who can fit into that, but you're not going to get a top pairing right defenseman right now without trading somebody of extreme value to them. And yeah, Mitch Marner I like the Ryan idea Ellis of DeMello, like DeMello is somebody you can throw in and kind of play heavier minutes, but they're going to be getting maybe a top four defenseman at the absolute best. They're not going to fill that in. So I like, I've just kind of prepared myself for, a season with another another weekly group that they maybe address partway through the season or like Dubas could get creative. The the only other thing I have is I have Liljegren as an extra and maybe there's nights where you play seven D men. But I, I look at that Muzzin Hall pairing as somebody that I have as my designated second pair, but they're gonna eat up a lot of minutes. Mm-hmm. Um I liked them together last year. I thought Hall looked pretty fair after his contract extension but Muzzin coincidentally was hurt as well so it's kind of tricky to really predict fully but like I I just don't see a ton of changes I don't see that there's a whole lot of options out there aside from like you know maybe you move Dermot down the depth chart and you add a guy like DeMello but um, it's going to be a tough offseason for the Leafs with their cap situation to to go balls out Um, yeah Devin you want to chime in with anything there well I, uh, it's hard to argue against the points because there's a lot of, there's a lot of good rationality behind it. The idea that the off season is, it's unpredictable, caps unpredictable, you know, teams are going to obviously be financially struggling, perhaps to move contracts, it could be difficult. So, but I'll still, you know, play devil's advocate and say like, Dubas to me seems like the kind of guy who is probably going to be a little bit more proactive. He's always has been. Um, he tends to make deals a little bit earlier. If Vatnin is, you know, a potential option, I don't know his game outside of what I've heard of him when he was a prospect, more of like an offensive guy who can skate. He's got good endurance, all this stuff. If he's a good two-way guy and he's not just another Tyson Berry 2.0 on the right side because he's smaller and he's faster and he moves the puck and he likes to carry the puck, if he's not that, then sure, go for it. But I could see them really trying to shore up something back there, especially like you've got you've got Janssen just floating out in space right now. You know, could they sign a Vatnin? Sure, but I could see them instead wanting more long-term cap certainty that's why i could see them going with the trade approach that's the benefit of doing the trade approach rather than just trading for you know picks and stuff and getting that and then signing some a guy for just money it's you get that cap certainty you don't have to you know go into free agent frenzy frenzy but perhaps won't be like that this year so my only critique is i think they're probably going to want to add maybe some kind of uh piece on that right side but I like I I agree with your idea. Like I'm I'm struggling to try to critique it too much because I like the idea that he's gonna go and get a top four guy instead of just filling in holes. If they can evaluate talent at a lesser degree, if Dylan DeMello is better than what the stats are showing, if Van Riemsdyk is better, if Vatnin is better, then let's go with that. Sorry, that's a long is the real question mark here too, because we don't know what he is yet. And he's somebody that like you listen to the scouting report 
he could conceivably be a top four guy. He's also never played in the NHL. You want to bank on a guy like that being a, a top four guy. And uh, he, he's really, really interesting. I like that they're starting to build depth in that defensive core, but like in reality, their, their left side is heavy and their right side is weak and it's going to be a, a shit show to start the year. But I, I think their model is always going to be go heavy offense and try to fill in the holes defensively. They've already got so much committed to the, the offensive side of things that it's always going to have to be bargain kind of ideas along the, 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 the six defensemen. And um, I like that they're trying things and I know that Dubas has better ideas than I do. So I'm, I'm pretty confident that I'm going to be wrong here, but I don't think I'm going to be really off. Either. You don't even need to critique you. You can just critique yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I don't have a ton left to say. I feel like most of what I would have said, I've already said at Devin's roster for the most part, since you guys' rosters are pretty similar. But uh, sorry, who did you have paired with Riley again? I have Dermot with him. And that's the biggest issue, right? Is yeah. that, that like, who I have pegged in the right side. Sorry, but I, I also lost. read like, oh, it says my internet connection is unstable, but it's, can you yeah, hear me? I think now? we lost you just for like two seconds there. Okay. Um, I, I did read that like people are projecting Lettman is going to be Riley's partner to start the season, which I think is like pretty optimistic. Um, so it's almost like, like projecting Nick Robertson of, to make the, the top yeah, six. But I like the idea of Riley being that, that top guy, <laughs> Riley, and then just a revolving door of somebody who is playing well which whenever you have Lilyren, Lettman, Sandin, Dermot one of them bound to be playing decent hockey at that point yeah and uh, I think you can survive while scoring five goals a game (laughs) you know Um, I think they'll do all right you know it's nice it's nice that they've developed a little bit of depth at the position um I still feel like the depth is maybe a bit too young for and too unproven for a contending team or a team with cup aspirations. So I feel like they do need to at least sign one right defenseman or deal for one right defenseman. Um, but like, yeah, you're saying you wouldn't be opposed to the like Vatnin or DeMello or something like that. So yeah, yeah. And I think um, I, I, I kind of see Dubas as the my my favorite thing about him is that he's not reactionary. He's not going to be the kind of guy who goes out and says this off season, I need a guy. So I'm going to go pay Dylan DeMello two and a half million dollars a year. No. Like he's going to say, this is not the right situation. This isn't the right fit. We'll address it whenever we get something that suits us. And that's kind of my favorite thing about Dubas's approach. And I think, I don't know if we're going to talk about this later, but just like the whole mentality and the, uh, around the team and this window, like I, I'm not a patient guy. And uh, I watch Leafs lose and I say like, Jesus Christ, like do something, do something. And, uh, but obviously I'm not a GM. Like I, I it's cool on it for a day and I realized like, yeah, it's probably better that somebody else is making these decisions because I was about to lose. And honestly, um, Dubas, I will say there was one other, sorry. I was going to say, and honestly, Dubas does do stuff. He just does it in a like, exactly. in a way that's not like blowing the whole team up. But like you look at the moves he made last off season, he was probably the most active GM in the NHL. He just didn't like trade the core of the team. He just traded yeah. the periphery parts, but um, they were calculated moves. Yeah. Yeah. They were calculated moves and I liked most of them, if not all of them. Yeah. So what were, what were you going to say there, Spencer? Sorry. The last thing I flirted with was for a little cap relief, find a way to deal Kerfoot or one of your, like if you're going to deal Kapanen, 
Kerfoot can play the wing and sign Derek Broussard. Yeah, you could probably get Broussard for like one point five, two million. Yeah, like I, I'm not sure because like he kind of had a bit of a resurgence this year, but I haven't looked at the numbers really tightly. But like I know that he's somebody who I think was expecting to get paid, and that's mm-hmm. just not going to happen. No. Are going right now, so yeah. No. Um, yeah, I think you could get him for cheap, but there are so many options that I I don't know. I, I would actually worry about assigning like Broussard because he did have a stronger year by some standards because he they put him into a top six role he was playing with like I think he was even playing with like Barzal and Eberly or Barzal and Lee or something at some point for for like a 10 to 15 game stretch um, if it wasn't him it was Valtteri Filtola so <laughs> <laughs> they are they were giving him minutes that'll that his agent will be very thankful for but uh I think you could find like a guy like a Tyler Ennis type signing that'll be fine for them. All right. So that was a pretty solid, uh, solid three rosters that we put together there. I think some of them were maybe a little more adventurous, maybe a little stupider than others point at myself for that one. But uh, anyway, we can uh, move it on to the last segment that I had uh, earmarked for this episode, which is just talking about our general uh, feel for the team, how the team's doing what we expect of them moving forward. So um, it's really just like our thesis statement, if anything else. But uh, Spencer, do you want to kick things off? Just tell uh, the listeners how you feel about the Leafs and their current incarnation, or basically how you feel about them with the opening night roster that you put together for them. So I think when you, uh, when you analyze my opening day roster, you'll see that I'm not in any sort of panicked state. Um, but at the same time, like I'm, I, I want the Leafs to do well. I just, I, I watched Nonis. I watched, you know, previous GMs react to current situations without a plan for the future. And <laughs> John Ferguson Jr. Us. John Ferguson Jr. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, like, I, I when I was up, uh, I did some teaching up in Northern Manitoba, and one of my favorite phrases that came from there was "calm your tits," and it was just like. Settle, settle the fuck down. Like, you know, take it easy. Um, and that's kind of the way I feel about the Leafs is that, like, I'm going to be completely honest. This past year of watching hockey was one of the hardest I've ever experienced. And, like, it's really – I spent so many years saying, like, if only this team could be watchable. If only I could tune in on a Tuesday or a Thursday or a Saturday night and say, like, these guys stand a chance. These guys – might be fighting for a playoff spot. Like just being in that conversation seemed like a victory to me. And now every loss just hurts. And it's, it's tough because like, it's not so much with the team and the product. It's more with the conversation that's going on around them and how like we can finally have nice things for the first time in, since I was like 14 and we're losing our collective minds about it. <laughs> and it's, it's tough to, it's tough to be a, part of and it's tough to listen to because like I already explained like I just I just wanted this team to be competitive I thought like you know if only we could have that small little like bit of relevance I would feel good as a hockey fan again because I didn't get to experience that a whole lot uh so I I look at the the core that this team has and I'm pretty content I don't want to say I'm happy but I'm content I like we have Austin Matthews who is the best player next to Matt Sundin that I've had the pleasure of watching the Leafs have in you know my time doing this uh Mitch Marner William Nylander who is just like we haven't talked about Nylander a whole lot tonight but 
I love Willie. Like I wore 29 in soccer for the last few years until he changed his number. Now I'm number 88. Like I love Willie. And uh, this year was really validating for me as a Willie fan, but just. Oh, I think we lost Spencer for a second. Um, uh, like, Spencer, oh, sorry, we how lost much did you lose of me? Uh, maybe like five seconds. You were just saying you changed your okay. number to 88 in soccer. So the, the moral of the story is that I love Willie. Willie's great. Okay. <laughs> that, that, that core with them and Riley, Freddie and Net for, is it just one more year with Freddie or two? Um, one more year under contract. Yeah, just one more. Um, so like that's, that's, a, that's a solid core. I know Dubis well enough to know that moves are going to happen and things are going to be addressed. I don't expect like a, a Masai and Webster, like Kawhi move or anything like that, but I expect <laughs> things to change. And, uh, but not in that dramatic reactionary way that I've already talked about tonight. So I, yeah. <laughs> I do expect that my opening day idea for a roster is not going to be too far off. I could see some changes made on the defensive side of things, but the, the, the contracts, the cap are all going to kind of level out in that way. And I just, I, I don't pro- project too much change and I'm not too concerned about that yet. Not, not yet. Yeah. And that's fair. I think honestly, there's, you, the way that you and Devin constructed your rosters probably make more sense than the way that I did my situation where I may have overreacted and blown shit up, um, especially concerning Mitch Marner, who is definitely not the problem with the team. He's a great player. He's shown growth as a player and as a leader, and um, he wants to be there very badly. So I understand you guys keeping things a bit more conservative and wanting to see where this team can go. Cause they're still young at like, so, so many of their key parts are still pretty young when you can, when you really look at it. Um, well, we talked about team like player primes kind of early twenties, 23, 24, like we're just hitting that with this. Just hitting right that, yeah. So I'm not willing to panic. Like we got a few more years before Austin leaves us. So <laughs> <laughs> like, let's enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Devin, do you have anything you wanted to say to Spencer in regards to what his uh, feeling for the team is? Um, yeah, no, I just, I agree with what he's saying. Everyone should just relax. You have to enjoy, you know, the sport and your team is competitive right now. There's no doubt about it. So watch them through that. I think more importantly, it's nice to just see the guys having fun. There's something about watching a hockey team that, is coming together and working through things together because you feel more a part of it. You feel like there's a sense of community there and shared sort of identity, so to speak. Um, And I like that. I like what I'm seeing here. The guys are happy now. So I'm just going to add on, if anything, to some of the points that Spencer was talking about. And I guess why not start with the idea of we're going to have a consistent coach next year, right? Well, presumably, you know, do, Dubis made that that move and Sheldon keeps in. That's a positive. That's a really big positive to have consistency over that. Um, is it like I said, the guys like what they're doing. They like playing like that way. The fans are excited. Sorry to sorry to interrupt you, Devin, but history would tend to dictate that uh, teams getting a new coach partway through the season are pretty damn successful. Like uh, recent history would suggest at least. Like you look at uh, Craig Berube in St. Louis, Daryl Sutter in Los Angeles. Um, 
I'm trying to remember who it was in New Jersey, but someone took over. It might have been Larry Robinson took over. Was he the coach? Or did he get fired? I don't remember. Someone in New Jersey got fired partway through the season, and then someone else took over, and they won the cup. Um, and I know these are just like, again, cherry-picked examples to help my own argument. But, Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> bias. And also ignoring like a significant number of underlying factors. Like you're comparing St. Louis to Toronto, which Toronto is not St. Louis. They're much younger. And they have a lot of things that they still need to learn as well. They don't have like eight NHL defensemen. <laughs> yeah. Carl Gunnarsson. Anyways. Ah. But who knows? They could, they could end up winning the cup this year under the mid-season coaching change to, to Sheldon Keefe if the season resumes and they just pull some crazy runs out of their bucks. I'll step in again, but I'll be quick. But like to Devin's point too, like with Keefe, they have a Dubas coach in place now which is like Dubas was making moves that were Dubas moves and Babcock wasn't necessarily reflecting those in the roster. And now every move he makes, he knows that he has the guy in place. that's going to kind of see out his roster the way he envisions it. So it's going to be consistent. The system's going to be known. I'm just going to rhyme these things off here. You have two goalies who, again, the, the fans love and the players love. It's no longer, you know, this juggling of goalies. And if we want to talk about things that Dubis maybe should have learned from, and it looks like he has, it's the goaltending situation with the backup. We've got Campbell now. We've got Anderson going forward. That's great. That's stability there. We need that. Uh, other things that Leafs fans should be happy and excited about, and it's not the end of the world. Balance, more balance on defense. Why is there going to be more balance on defense? Because we have the ability to add a few pieces we've got some cap that we can work with it's not a lot but it's enough that we can do to work with so there's going to be balance there's going to be some depth there we're making signings yeah. uh more more years of development under the belt that stands for every single team but i think it stands even more so and can be emphasized on a younger team that's growing via mitch marner austin matthews willie melander go to the back end as well they're all there uh, better balance it forward. I think that this year we have better balance it forward. What do I mean by that? Attack, grit, skill. There seems to be better balance there. Hopefully we have a healthy Zach Hyman throughout the whole year. Um, we've got guys like Barabanov now, who is supposedly more of a gritty player. Um, we've also got uh, Igor Korshkev, who could get called up. This is some of the depth that we have, who's a little bit bigger as well. We've got Kyle Clifford for a full year. To me, that's a presence and identity that we just haven't had before. And I think it's also just, you know, the reflection of Dubis saying, okay, you know, we have a lot of skill. We can have a little more balance here without sacrificing the style of the game. So I just see so many different positives here. Um, and if there's anything else that I could add in here, I think that's pretty much it. But like, just, I think we need to be more realistic and we need to be happy about the things that we have. And it's not a doom and a gloom. There's 31 NHL teams. There's a lot of competition. You're not, your team's not going to win every single game of the year. But if you like enjoy the players who are on your team, they're having fun. That should give you a reason to have fun and be a hockey fan. And if they're competitive, that's awesome. If they're not competitive, then you get to have, you know, you get, you at least get to go through that growth hopefully with a GM who's being active. So there's lots of things to enjoy about hockey. All right. I got a few thoughts. Um, one thing I was thinking about was uh, Spencer, your reference to the Messiah jury, Bobby Webster blow up of the Raptors for Kawhi Leonard and how that um, obviously 
worked for the Raptors and they're, you don't, but you don't think that the Leafs need a similar type blow up uh, to, to that. Um, I don't know. I guess I'm the only person potentially proposing a similar type blow up to the, to the Maasai, uh, Ujiri, Bobby Webster situation. I don't know if that, if the guys who I'm getting in return though are the right players for that kind of analogy though, because Kawhi Leonard is, the clear best part of that deal and we'd be giving away Mitch Marner yeah, the claw and we'd be giving away Mitch Marner in my uh my version of the trade so I don't think that what my my proposition was would help in any way to uh maybe make the team more dynamic or competitive I don't even fucking know what I'm talking about right now to be honest uh, <laughs> the what, what too are, many of those Garrison beers. Yeah, they're, 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 hit, they're hitting hard. They're hitting hard. <laughs> um, the Leafs are in a position right now where they have a very good core. They're young. I should be happy. I should be happy as a fan. I should be wanting to enjoy seeing how things are going to build and how they're going to grow as a team. But I'm not. And there's got to be something behind that. Like, maybe I'm just impatient. Maybe you guys are more patient. The long approach will work for you guys, but something's just not right in the water for whatever reason for me. And I think that uh, something needs to be done. And I, granted, trading Mitch Marner is pretty freaking drastic. Like, <laughs> I, I understand that. Um, my other thought I was looking at was potentially trading John Tavares, but I just don't think there's as much value for him on the open market. Um, if this team trades John Tavares, I'm gonna fucking lose. Also, he's, like just out of like, you begged this guy to come home. Yeah. <laughs> you told him all the, showed him that clip of Mitch Marner doing Mitch Marner shit, and then you trade. It would be, hard, it would be pretty heartless. He doesn't deserve the tra- to be traded um, based on <laughs> well, those things. But it's he a also had business. the best debut season of any like like 47. Go, uh, I don't know. Did you? I don't know if you guys are on Twitter. Don't. It's the worst no, thing ever. No, fuck Twitter. But um, people are, yeah, like. Oh, lost Thrill House for a bit. Um, we'll see if he comes back in a sec. But uh, <laughs> Devin, do you have anything you wanted to to say in retort to, to my tirade? Yeah, I do. Like, <laughs> I just, <laughs> I'm laughing hysterically here, but like, I just want you to be a little more coherent and clarify precisely what is bad in the water about the leaves right now and what you need to be fixed. Cause I didn't quite catch it. I don't know. I think that maybe they're too complacent. Um, sorry, we lost you for a little bit, Spencer. Um, but I'm just going to go I'm off. I'm losing it anyway, boys. Don't <laughs> worry about it. Okay. I'm just going to go off for a sec. Cause Devin was asking me what it was in the water that uh, was wrong. So, all right. So we got a bunch of guys on this team that are clearly talented, but they seem pretty comfortable. They seem pretty complacent. They've been awarded these contracts by Kyle Dubas that I would say he didn't negotiate hard enough against them for. Um, Matthews' contract, I can live with. That's fine. Nylander's contract, I can live with. It's fine. Marner's contract, I can't live with. I think that was too much, especially given what, players of, of what he de- what he contributes the position he plays um just standard nhl contract giving out dispersal from gms i won't argue that potentially he should be making that much money because he's entering the prime of his career 
So like players entering the prime of their career who play as well as Mitch Marner probably should be making the money he is. But that's not the world we live in. We live in a world where young wingers don't get paid what they deserve. What they deserve. Young players in general in the NHL don't get paid what they deserve to get paid. And so based on those criteria, we have a lot of young players on the Leafs getting paid pretty handsomely for uh, their potential. And they are good players but they have not exhibited the leadership qualities or the competitive spirit to this point that I think I need to see as a Leafs fan to make me feel 100% confident and comfortable like you guys are feeling. Okay. So it's clear to me now where you're coming from because throughout this entire podcast, all of your points have a clear chain connected to all of them. Martyr's it is contract. your thesis. What's that? Marner's contract. Marner's, Marner's contract or ego, right? Nicholas Robertson being on the second line. You know, this idea of you want to see, you know, some, some kind of spirit, some kind of energy, some kind of will to like push past, um, I don't know, some kind of um, contentness or comfortableness. So I get that. Um, two things to that, I guess I would say. One, I don't think... I don't think like your your intuition is unwarranted. I think it is warranted. Um, I'll get to that in a second. But the, 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 I guess the positive thing that we could look at is that they're young. You know, there's the Stevie Y conversation, right? How it took him a while to kind of you know figure things out. Ovechkin took him a while to sort of you know get where he wanted to get with things. And I think that you're right. There is a a presence of ego perhaps on this team, but I, I, they're young. I really feel like they're going to just kind of figure that out. And maybe that's just, you know, maybe I'm being too optimist or I'm giving them, you know, maybe too much credit to the fact that they're younger and they're, they've got to sort of grow through this together. But to your point, to defend your point, there's teams like you look at Boston, right? So, Guys are taking pay cuts to stay in Boston um, to a degree because um, they want to play there. You know, they're, they're showing a level of grit and willingness to sort of work really, really hard, do what it kind of takes to, to get past that. Take, for example, the Leafs um, lose to Boston in game seven. What do we do the next year? We lose to Boston. We lose to Boston again. Whereas Boston loses to Philly in game seven, they come back and then they just – absolutely crush Philly the next year and they sweep them right so they're they're moving past these things and we're not and I don't know why I always go back to Boston but maybe it's the Patrice Bergeron effect and just how damn awesome he is but (laughs) you know I think I think there's something to your point but I think I think you also just have to that's a part of being a parent you know and you're just watching the kids grow up and you have to, you have to just be there. You have to mentor them. You have to guide them. You have to let them step out in the unknown a bit on their own and make those mistakes. And that's how they're going to grow, and that's how they're going to learn. So try not to expect too much from them. Well, I I like the analogy of being a parent. I don't like the closing remarks of try not to expect too much from them because they're. I team. actually don't like and that I expect remark. Too much from Don't expect like. Don't expect that. Um, no, you're right. It's just an awful remark, but don't expect them to, <laughs> like to like um, 
not make mistakes and not yeah. have to sort of no I, I think i think everything that led up to that final terrible conclusion of yours was was a good point <laughs> yeah no absolutely <laughs> my feedback would be you know <laughs> you sell you sold yourself short on that conclusion and you know, as a result <laughs> you failed miserably <laughs> the lesson is but I, I think all the points you made were like were great in that like if this is a conversation we're heaven near the end of matthew's contract then I'm losing my mind. Yeah. But like, this was the first year. Sorry, we yeah, lost, you know, we lost so, Spencer for a sec again. <laughs> but oh, uh, Devin, you want to go ahead? Well, I kind of feel bad. Like I hope Spencer comes back because he, he's got something he wants to share. But yeah. what I would basically say, Spencer, I don't know if you want to repeat what you said, but uh, I certainly have something. Can you something hear I... me now? Yeah. 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 I was just saying like, if this is a conversation that we're having at the end of a uh, Marner and Matthews' deals, then like that's a more valid concern. But at this point, whenever they're in the first years of those big money contracts, like I'm less in the moment, I'm critical. But right now, kind of thinking about it, two years removed from hockey, I'm thinking like I think they felt the weight of it. I think Marner, especially like when you watch the way he played hockey after coming back from that contract hold off. He was tentative. He was making mistakes that he doesn't usually make. And uh, it took him a while to level out. So I, I think that they're kind of feeling the weight of like, this is what we asked for. Now we got to live with it. I'm willing to give them that little grace period of like, yeah, maybe one more year of figuring the shit out. But eventually you boys got to grow up. And like, you know, you're young enough now that you have that excuse for being kids. But, you know, grow up, grow up sometime. And so you got a few years, like a lengthy contract to figure that out. I don't know, Robin, do you want to add into that? I, I definitely have things I can keep talking about. But, yeah, you know. we could keep going forever. Yeah. <laughs> um, honestly, it is interesting that I chose to, ch to trade Mitch Marner, given that my concerns are with the maturity of the team and the leadership of the team. And Austin Matthews is the one who's dropping trow outside of uh, some hotel in Arizona or wherever it is, the, the complex in Arizona. He's the one who probably has more growing up to do than anyone else on the team. But you but don't trade the guy the who can score like elite level, so. 58 goals. In <laughs> <laughs> I guess if I can, then I just want to add in one more thing. Like there is something to like the eras and the narratives that we tell ourselves about like, oh, okay, it's this era now. And now we have this amount of years to get this done. But it's, it, I, like I said, there's some utility to that, but it's a little more complex than that. And like, you know, if Austin Matthew leaves and we hadn't won a cup, it's like, well, when did that next era start? Was it when Matthews left or was it in year three or in year two or in year four? There's a lot of intricacies that go on here with different eras. And, you know, we can, we can, you know, pull up the measuring stick and, you know, try to evaluate it through that. And I, like I said, there is utility to that, but, you know, it also just, I think it's a simplified way of talking about booms and busts and failures and successes. And there's a lot of things in between that we can enjoy and new things that are always coming and going and emerging at different moments of the season. So I don't know. That's all I would say to that, I guess. Yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot to talk about with this team. They're a, a very interesting case study for like, especially with Kyle Dubas as the GM, it's like a situation that most teams don't have where they've got a young guy who's actually younger than some, well, I don't know if he's still younger than some of the players on the team. They've dealt 
Patrick Marlowe now. He's still like three years younger than Spezza, I think. Oh, right, Spezza. Yeah. Yeah. And Keefe is the same age as Spezza, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's I like think 30. they competed well, for the OHL scoring title. Yeah, like, Older, but similar, yeah. It's it's a weird situation where you've got really like no, no other team has a a GM coach combo. And I don't think any team has had a GM coach combo in like history. That's been both under 40, I would guess. Um, we're in uncharted waters here. And uh, I really like the job that Kyle Dubas has done for the most part. Um, but I just feel like he maybe being the younger guy, I don't know if it played, if that's what played into the contract negotiations with the three big forwards or like what happened, but he definitely got pushed around by Marner's dad a little bit. Um, in any case, I still am happy as a Leafs fan with what we've got. Um, if we would go forward with the opening night rosters that either of you guys have proposed, I'd be happy. I honestly proposed the roster I did for controversy's sake for the most part. Um, I do think it would be a more balanced roster in some ways, but it would also sacrifice the potential of of Mitch Marner and of seeing what this team can do as assembled and I don't know if that's something I really would honestly want to do it would be a pretty difficult trade-off to give up Mitch Marner for maybe safer players in Ryan Ellis and Victor Arvidsson they're they're good responsible players but they don't have the same ceiling that a guy like Mitch Marner has obviously um and they haven't won a cup with Nashville so like not that that's the be all end all that's like Stan Bowman, Dale Talon thinking. Um, and I don't like those guys, or at least I don't like their track record the last six years. <laughs> but in any case, I am pretty happy with the state of the team, all things considered. And I'm excited to see what happens in the future. So do you guys have anything else you want to say about the Leafs in general? Um, yeah. You know what? I just excited to talk about them. I thought this was a, you know, a, a great time to do it too. Um, lots of uh, lots of things are coming up, and there's a lot of uncertainties. But we've got uh, maybe a playoffs to look forward to. Who knows? Uh, this season still, and uh, a lot of things to think about for the future. We do have some contracts coming up that'll be for later conversations. Um, I.e., Zach Hyman and Freddie Anderson. So, you know, and those are things that maybe we didn't even take into account when designing yeah. our roster this year. So. <laughs> I, I, did, I did contemplate looking forward more than one year for like uh, the the sake of like retaining those important players, but uh, it's, it's such a headache. I, I don't really for feel sure. like doing that as just a fan of the team unless I'm getting paid to do it. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. No, but uh, yeah, it was just a great shot to, to talk Leafs. Oh, absolutely. Um, and one thing I guess I just want to end on, uh, I do want to commend Kyle Dubas and his scouting staff for finding Nick Robertson in the second round a year ago. Um, if nothing else, even if he ends up only on the fourth line and not on the second line of the opening night roster, um, I don't think that any of us can be upset with the the fact that they found him that far down the draft only like a year ago. Can I say one thing? Yeah, Absolutely. I don't know how many listeners we still have at this stage of the podcast, but I have my rally for the Valley shirt on. I don't know if Robin's familiar with this from Facebook, but my hometown rink back in Tyne Valley where I played some senior hockey 
getting called many words that I won't repeat on this podcast and being told to shoot the puck over and over and over again from the point. But uh, yeah, our rink burned down on like right oh. after Christmas. And Jeez, I didn't know that. Uh, in the, yeah, we're in like the Kraft Hockeyville. Uh, they, they postponed the actual announcement of the top four, but we were pushing pretty heavy to be voted. So if anybody's listening and they, uh, they announce us in the top four, we'd love for you to vote for us. Yeah, absolutely. Time Valley uh, Tornado. Uh, convenient thing too, is that, uh, you, you know, my brother, Mark, Mark Phillips, uh, he designed the Tyne Valley Tornadoes logo, which he got a lot of shit for in high school because nobody's ever seen a tornado in Tyne Valley, but, um, it's a sweet logo. He did a great job as a like 12 year old student. So did he, <laughs> did he pick the team name or? Oh, he picked the team name and he actually designed the logo too. Um, I wish, I had my jersey here, but I don't. But I'll send it to you later. That's awesome. Yeah. Devin, any uh, final words? Uh, honestly, just again, thanks for having us. Um, I enjoy talking to you. I enjoy talking all hockey. I know for the listeners, this was a longer podcast, but hopefully um, it was enjoyable for you as it was for us. Yeah. All right. I had a blast, boys. Yeah, I had a blast. Uh, I'll have you guys back to talk some more Leafs in the future, I'm sure. Uh, in the meantime, Keep doing what you're doing. Stay healthy, stay happy, and uh, keep fighting the good fight.